This is KP, and you are listening to Ray's Music Reviews. This is the second part of a two-part episode. This episode will be about underrated records, and it will be after. Welcome to Ray's Music Reviews. Come along as Ray embarks on a musical journey by deep diving into artists, genres, and albums of his choosing. And now, Ray Reviews. The underrated records? Yes. All right, so this first, the first little under, uh, underrated record I have, which is probably not necessarily, uh, uh, how do I say this? Uh, so this group's name, which is probably, listen, if you're one of those people, <laughs> so this is a rap group, and their name, brace yourself, brace yourself, don't, don't judge the music, their name is the Cunning Linguists. Uh-huh. Cunning linguists. The cunning linguists, yes. Clever. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, listen, if, 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 this, if that name has put you off this record, d- please don't have that name put you off this record. I thought the name was hilarious, which is what made me act. It's not necessarily what made me check out the record, but it, it definitely didn't put me off checking out the record. This is Cunning Linguists, A Piece of Strange. To me, it's kind of one of the defining Southern hip-hop records. Albums. The, the album delivers some of the most smoothest, luscious beats. Uh, the performances are very tight. In terms of craftsmanship, I, I think that there's there's really no messing around with this record, um, especially when it comes to like southern hip hop. Southern hip hop, especially around this time, uh, which this album came out like 2004, might have been after Outkast retired. Though don't don't quote me on that. I would say it's pretty divisive among uh, among, among a lot of younger hip hop fans, um, and I think that's generally why is it divisive. Um, I think that's generally something to be said with a lot of kind of conscious hip-hop around uh, this era. Okay. Especially how like a lot of younger hip-hop fans can kind of deem a lot of that stuff as kind of corny. Of course, this is conscious hip-hop other than Kanye because they make exceptions for him because for some reason. But you guys like... The same reasons why I make exceptions for Axel. Yeah, but like I think there's generally a lot to get out of this record, and, and I, I think I think that yeah, to me this is one of uh, one of my personal favorite hip hop records ever, and I think it should should probably go down as one of the defining hip hop records with Goody Mob, Soul Food. Okay, okay. Which is that? Yeah, I'm really fond of Standing Tall. So Soul Food's the. Um, yeah, Soul Food's dope. Soul Food's the like the classic classic. Oh yeah. Right. I'm, you know, I, I had that record they put out a couple years ago in my top ten. All I'm right. talking about still, still standing, but I had Survival Kit in my top. Man, World Party's a jam too, by the way. But go, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I think this should kind of go down as kind of in that southern, in that kind of defining southern hip hop tier. I think it really deserves that placement. Do you have any like thoughts or any? No. What are some of your favorite tracks on there? Uh, some of my favorite tracks would certainly be. I know that I quite liked the Gates. I quite like. I, I would just generally listen, just full through through the album. Right, right. Um, I quite like. I think the opener "Since When" is really good at kind of introducing you to the record. Again, I like "Caved In." I like "Hourglass." I like "Beautiful Girl." I remember liking the Gates quite a bit, and I like the light as well. And you, you uh, say it's held up. You, you'd recommend going to it now and listening to it. I would recommend going to it now. And it especially, won't especially, feel weird. No, I, oh. I think it's held up. I, th- I, th- I think it's genuinely held up. Real quick though, if you got your Spotify, pull up "Get Rich to This" by Goody Mob, and or "What It Ain't" by Goody Mob. Sometime they're off the World Party record, and they are freaking bangers. <laughs> okay, now. 
I connected the first five records I told you together in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Right. This next album, Shannon Hoon is in a band called Blind Melon. They get a little bit of traction because he's on these two records that come out and debut as number one and two as one of the singers on the record that isn't named Axl Rose. He does mm-hmm. duets on Don't Cry. He does backup vocals on a ton of other songs on the Illusion album. He's from Indiana. Sister knows Axel, calls Axel, hey, my brother's moving out there. Keep an eye on him. Axel loves his voice, which the world would wind up loving his voice. Says, hey, why don't you come in and help me on some of these vocals? There's footage of before they get big, him doing some of the three shows mm. that Guns did before in Los Angeles at the Forum before they hit the road. That gets them a little bit of play, according to the articles around about this time period for Blind Melon, a little bit of swing with the record companies. They go in to do an EP, and when they listen to the EP, it's produced really, really heavily. And remember now, Shannon was in the recording sessions and heard how these Guns N' Roses records were overproduced and Absolutely. done, and he and he knew what, what the current scene was, and he also was privy to what Nirvana was doing in, in Pearl Jam, and that's what he wanted to be a part of more, even though what his band did, Blind Melon was a term, that it was an L.A. band, but two guys are from Mississippi, one guy's from Indiana, one guy's from, you know, and so one of the fathers called hippies blind melons, and they considered themselves hippies, and so they, they called the band Blind Melon. Hmm. And they're, they're, you know, the album is Blind Melon, and they wind up going into North Carolina, rewriting music, and then winding up in Seattle where things aren't overproduced. And that's why people at the time, they were like, oh, this album's out of Seattle. Well, the album was, but the band wasn't, right? And you have the hit, which was kind of, you know, MTV was such a great, I don't know great's the right word, but MTV. Uh, no Rain, right? That was the hit? Yes, and they have Absolutely. the Bumblebee girl on the cover of the record, and she's all over that video. That's iconic video. Iconic. And yeah. No Rain is a song that you will still hear today, but I'm here to tell you that you should delve into the full album. It is oddly... That time period, the music, it's funny because I remember we were talking about earlier how the Motley Crue was kind of, you could turn your mind off and jam. Mm. Uh, Def Leppard was kind of, you could turn your mind off and jam. A lot of records wound up being like that in that time period that were doing well, especially of what was coming out of Los Angeles. A lot of the music that wound up being hip to the college kids in that time period, right before and right after Nirvana, even if it's a happy tune, it ain't necessarily happy. There's a lot of, I wish the world could be like this in this album. A lot of, I wish I could always be myself in this album. And when you listen to Tones of Home, you can feel that. You can feel the longing for home, but am I really gonna be accepted there? There, you know, I wonder is similar to that, dear old dad, you have that. Change is one of the great, to me, to me, it's a coming-of-age album, and all those questions you ask yourself when you reach 21, 22, 23, and if you are, I think, if you are a deep thinker, you will continually ask yourself these questions. Change, to me, is one of those great songs where it's like, hey, you know, they don't accept us. They never will. They're just afraid of change. It ain't, it ain't their fault. They see, mm. the world, they see the world's going to be different, Absolutely. and they don't want that because they're scared. Mm-hmm. And you can't control that. And he ends it with, you know, life's hard, 
you got to change. Mm-hmm. And he repeats that. Life's hard. You got to change. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I just, I love this kid. I love this record. I, I, I almost did the record they did after this because nobody even knows about Soup, really. And I think maybe at some point we have to do like a Hidden Gems mm. thing, and that would be one that would be in there for me. There's a couple of others that I, I kind of tried to figure out what I would do. But I love this record. And I feel like it's it's not overly like heady. Absolutely. But it asks the questions that need to be asked. And the kid's voice he was so talented, just mm-hmm. a beautiful kid. It's just a shame that he didn't make it. You know, I, I, um, I, I, I haven't listened to that record, but I do have a lot of memories of mom actually talking very fondly of the, um, the music video and the hit, uh, because uh, apparently like every morning, I don't know if it was on like uh, whatever channel she was watching or whatever, she would wake up to that song and that music video playing. Absolutely, it was um, on every day, all the time. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that, that I don't know that that memory that I mean it's not even my memory, but it's just so it's just a really vivid picture. Yeah, in my mind. Moving into your next one. My next one. My next one is actually from ours. Our next ones are actually kind of similar. Kind of. It's came a little bit after the grunge movement. Weirdly enough, it was after Kurt Cobain's death, uh, but it was by uh, one of the big four grunge bands. Matchbox uh, Twenty. It was not Matchbox Twenty. Oh. Um, it was by one of the. Big Four grunge bands. My pick, uh, well, this was more of a, a underrated in the context of their discography, Alice in Chains' self-titled record, which uh, I, I think this album gets unsung when talking about like a lot of Alice in Chains' uh, better records. Personally, I love how this record kind of delves into a bit more of like a sludge metal sound. <laughs> be warned, um, I feel like the reason why this might be a little unsung is because it is a very bleak record. It's heavy. It's heavy in every way. It is... Um, I played the snot out of this thing when it came out. Yeah, it is not a fun record. The album cover really conveys a lot. In a sad way, I think it kind of conveys how Lane maybe saw himself a little bit. Well, I, I've always thought, because I, I don't know how much of the lyrics Lane was involved in. I know that Jerry Cantrell was heavily involved in that as well as the music mm. in the collabs, but it has always felt to me like Lane through Jerry or Jerry through Lane, it, they're describing Lane. Mm. Even if you go back to Facelift, a lot of that feels like it's describing Lane. Now, yeah. Wood is obviously about, and well, a lot of that is about the father, and the, that record, Dirt, is about Jerry's father and, and, yeah. the, and Vietnam and all those things. But this record really feels like... This, this record, uh, yeah. it's really... Um, What's going on over there in the middle of the stage at the microphone is, it's it's yeah. tough to deal with. He, he's in a bad spot. Yeah, and um, I, I guess that might be why this record may go a little unsung. Uh, it is a very bleak listen, but I do feel like there's also some parts that are very kind of beautiful about it. Um, like I believe that the song Frogs is um, one of the best the band ever recorded. It's a eight minute long sludge metal absolute rager. I, th- I think the final little section where Lane's kind of mumbling over this really sinister riff that um, Jerry Cantrell lays down, I think that's one of the most potent moments in the band's entire career. Um, a I, great career. A, a great career. Mm-hmm. A absolutely phenomenal all time career. Um, I mean, Heaven Beside You was the big, yeah. you know, the big single off of this record. Mm-hmm. A phenomenal song. 
I love I, I like the opener grind. I think it does very well. It kind of and it it does very well at like this is a very different record than Dirt is. How despite how sad Dirt can be very depressive, right? Right. Of course it is. But the singles still pop off, right? In a way where it's like this album does not pop off. Pop off. It oh. kind of creeps with you. It right. kind of sinks in. Right. It's very much a record that you listen to it and it kind of lingers mm-hmm. in the back of your head a little bit. And I think that's why it's uh, one of my favorites by them. Right. Um, I I probably prefer this to Facelift. And um, honestly, I, I think I, I, I view this uh, on the same level as Dirt. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I, I think this, yeah, I, I think this is a phenomenal record. I think it's also a fascinating record. Of course, if you're willing to take the task to mm-hmm. <laughs> subject yourself to something like this, I think I just, uh, when I think about Alice in Chains, uh, this is one of the first records I think of. To your point, Grind is a blatantly obvious Yeah. drugs have overwhelmed me. Absolutely. Sludge Factory. Sludge Factory. Is an obvious. And whether it be that or depression or, you know, you don't have money, whatever your issue is, there is some form of, I don't know how I'm getting out of this. Mm. And they delve into that part of your pulse mm. in this record, and they don't let go of it. It is a fantastic record. I can't believe you picked that one. That's awesome. Yeah, man, would, you're, you're you're a depressed dude. <laughs> well, one of uh, I will say one of my favorites off of this record, at least hook wise, was God Am. Oh yeah, I think that hook's really good, and it's not one. Of, it's not like one of, I wouldn't say it's one of like lyrically like the most striking mm-hmm. songs on the record, but I think the way it kind of combines again sludge metal and kind of hook, and I think it it, it hits so hard. That's um, funny. Your record, where where the record I talked about was a kind of. Uh, I know things are bad, but it still feels like a hopeful search for yeah. something. This feels like this, a hopelessness. This is, yeah. Woof. Uh, do you have any underrated? I think, right, I, think we, we, I think we got lucky with, with the last one for me because I'm doing Diamonds and Pearls by Prince, mm. and it's completely not depressing. It's absolutely, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, moving on right. uh, from that. That uh, record, uh, Diamonds and Pearls, you're talking about his first album. It's the 13th album by Prince. It is his first record with the MPG, the New Power Generation. These are the words of Prince. He said, this band helped me find a soulful, electrifying, and funky place to come from. And remember now, when he's saying that, every kind of record is inside of Sign of the Times, right? Mm -hmm. But it's still kind of a rock pop thing. Uh-huh. Even though there's Absolutely. funk there, there's elements of other things there. It's still kind of a rock pop thing. Purple Rain is kind of a rock pop thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the world uh, in a day, there's funk involved in there, but it also is kind of a rock. Absolutely. Raspberry Beret is kind of a rock pop thing. It's it's a bit of a, it, it, you know, it, it pops out. You, you know, you play that at a party, people this, get turned. This record has the pop Sensibilities. Get Off is a pop song that you can play in a club. Cream, I think Cream went to number one on both Mm -hmm. charts. And Cream is also fantastic when he plays it acoustic, by the way, which is funny. Mm. And the fact that he wrote most of Cream looking in the mirror kills me every time he says it. It has the pop sensibilities along with, but what the new power generation gave him was it allowed him to dive further into 
the funk elements and the Absolutely. the soul elements that had made him a hit prior to Purple Rain that had got so this got him back on the R&B charts it got him back on you know he has songs on here that at the time New Jack Swing was a big thing absolutely and he delves into that as well go through this album Thunders is epic, kind of, you know, Prince has always got these weird, I don't know for sure if we're talking about religion or making out songs. <laughs> Thunder's one of those. Yeah. Uh, Daddy Pop is another one of those pop sensible songs, but it is funky and it does have all this stuff. He has a rapper that he hires to go with this. And you could argue that to mixed results on that. Like I told you in conversation the other day, though, if he had Nas, it wouldn't have been that album. It would have been a Nas <laughs> album. It would have been a Prince album. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he might could have got Nas to help him on one track, but not four. You know what I mean, and not call it his. Uh, strolling is is there are not only modern swings to these things, but songs like Strolling and Willing and Able. They these songs have twenties and thirties hooks to them. Mm. Not just he delves into areas he'd never delved in before. Um, Money don't matter tonight is a somewhat of a political song. It's a stripped down song. But in this case, it's not just stripped down with his acoustic. It's stripped down with a full band that's playing stand-up basses. And he's got Rosie Gaines, who has one of the biggest, most strong voices in mm. history, singing soul music along with him. And to hear him going up above her voice is so neat the way they can layer it and the, it, I, I think if we do this again I'll probably pick another New Power Generation album because I feel like these are so slept on. Absolutely. I mean Prince is one of those artists who he has so many records. I mean some of them are bound to get like uh, and so many great records too. Some of them are bound to get swept under the rug a little bit. Lil Wayne and Outkast sample off this record. That's pretty good over the I years. Mean, you know? I mean those are Insatiable is a crazy love song. Prince is always kind of at his best when he manages to mix romance, mischievousness, and danger together. And mm. that's not easy to do. And then he also somehow slides religion into the middle of it, <laughs> which I'm not 100% sure how that works. But if you listen to Diamonds and Pearls, it is this epic love song about, you know, I can give you everything I can give you, and it's not enough. You know, mm. and, and it's just. Tour de force Prince at the origin of a new journey musically. Because that's, it's kind of neat because now what you have with artists, if, if I'm a guitarist and I want to change my direction, I'll get a whole different band, right? Mm -hmm. And he kind of did that here, but it's still Prince, his guitar. Absolutely. It's still all that immense talent, but now mm. all of a sudden he's beginning to let other people participate mm. for the first time since probably the Purple Rain sessions. Mm. That dance didn't have nobody else participating, really. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That was Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. And, and I love all those records, but you know, I, I have a real soft spot in my heart for the 90s Prince that is slept on. Mm. I'll, I'll bang the drum slowly for that. Absolutely. Um, and now for my final. Yes, let's do it. My final underrated record, which will be Chelsea Wolfe's Apocalypsis. This this album is by Chelsea Wolfe, who's a 
kind of a bit as of late kind of garnered herself a reputation as a bit of a metal queen. Okay. Uh, however, this album is one of the more ethereal listening experiences I've gone through in a while. Um, the album kind of combines goth rock with a bit of goth dark wave music. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like you to kind of think like um, pornography era cure. But to me, something that I actually find very interesting are kind of the more uh, folkier elements that she implements, acoustic elements that she implements into her work. And throughout the project, it just it put me in a trance. One time I fell asleep to this album. And it was actually one of the best naps I've ever had, in like in like a good way. Yeah, because I get it, like I get it, it, it yeah. put me it like it put me in like a trance. Like right. it was, it was very ethereal. And be warned, this album does start off with some some screeches that actually really scared me. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's nothing else like it in the album, but the the opening the little segment did, did put me off the album for like a day because I was like, all right, whoa. Yeah, right. But yeah, there's nothing there's nothing else like it in the album. The opening screeches did just kind of scare me a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, what have we been listening to? Well, I mean, I've been listening to whatever I can get my hands on, man. Uh, Absolutely. I, I did listen to the new Metallica today. Only they've only they got a few tracks out. I guess the whole record comes out maybe mm. in a couple of days, and so we're right around Easter time. So maybe before Easter, we get the new record. I had read good things. I listened to it after you got out of the car today. Is it good? It's heavy. Mm. It's heavy and it's heavy in a way I like. I'm really fond of the last Metallica record, Hardwired, mm. and I'm I'm. I, I think I could be fond of this, but Metallica's funny like that because sometimes you'll listen to a Metallica, a newer Metallica, not the classic mm -hmm. era record, and you'll be like, "Man, it's pretty good, man. It's, it's rocking. It's heavy." And then you know, a month later, you don't. It's the same thing, right? A month yeah. later, you don't go back to it. Well, if you're not going back to it, how good was it? When, when in reality, you're going back to all their old stuff. I even go back to Hardwire. But I don't go back to Death Magnetic. I don't mm -hmm. go. And then nothing wrong with Death I ain't, Magnetic. I ain't going back to Load nor Reload. Right. If I hear Fuel on the radio, I don't turn the channel. It's a good song. But I'm not going back to listen to the whole record. You are not. You wouldn't catch me dead listening to those two records. Oh, come on. But anyway. <laughs> not, not, not in full. What is that, like four hours of music? <laughs> Lord. Okay. <laughs> right. What uh, you been listening to? Yeah, but um, I've been listening to... I actually listen to a lot of um, Converge's Jane Doe. I mean, in my opinion, though, I'm not particularly... like. I probably shouldn't say this because I'm not like super in love with the genre or, or anything. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much the greatest mathcore record ever made. Okay. It is a ferocious record. And I say that in every every sense of the word. It is an absolutely, it's a pretty unrelenting record. It's heavy, but mm -hmm. it's, it's also, I think it does very good not just stay in, in one thing. It's, it's not a one trick pony of a record, you know? I also listen to a lot of uh, Bjork, Home on a Jet. Oh, actually. Uh, I speaking of Prince, I listened to a lot of Prince and the Revolution, uh, and I liked it a lot. It was kind of crazy to me how I hadn't listened to that album before. But I guess you never really played that Purple album. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my God, Purple Rain is a great record. Yeah. By 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 golly. <laughs> it's just it's Absolutely. easy to. I don't know. I I get wrapped up in other aspects of him, and too you don't have to even now. Let's Go Crazy gets played on mm. different stations and you know, Baby I'm a Star, I Would Die mm. For You gets played here and there. Obviously Purple Rain still and gets played. Wind Doves Cry, of Darling Nikki even still gets played. Darling Nikki. Yeah. And so that entire last run is insane. Yeah. You don't <laughs> you don't have to search to hear Purple Rain, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. It's still the shoot, I, I think I watched a little bit of the movie on TV the other day. <laughs> of course I'm such a geek, I watch, I watched uh such a prince mark. I watched Graffiti Bridge the other night too. Yeah. Which nobody watched that twice but me. 
<laughs> I don't even think Prince did. Woof. I listened to uh, Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Probably my favorite concept record ever made. Like, I, th- I think, I th- this is a landmark record. I think this is Trent's best. I think this is, I mean, I don't really know what to say about it. It's, it's a classic record. It's, it's an all-timer. Agreed. Truly an all-timer. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got into, I also uh, listened to some of their other stuff, like Pretty Hate Machine, and uh, some of The Fragile, which again, I think The Fragile is um, really good, a great record. And I, and I like uh, Pretty Hate Machine a lot, too. Cool. Is that a rap? I'd say that's a, lot, that's a rap. All right. So uh, for our friends at the Game Project, djnnproject.com. For our friends at Daily Smart, who put this music on their wrestling site anyway, thank you. Thank you. For KP. For me, Ray, of Ray's Music Reviews, you have been watching that. Uh, Shout out to your friends and listening. And thank you for listening to Ray's Music Reviews. (laughs) 